Hello, and welcome back to Cape Corner, where we explore the history, story, and cultural impact of a different character or group every episode. I'm Blue. And I'm Jordan. And we can apparently predict the future. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> um, last week, we <laughs> talked about the super pets and... Like the next, the day after we released the episode, they formally announced that there's actually going to be a movie. Now, I would like to mention, I had no clue that that was happening. Like, have you heard any news about well, a Super Pet movie? Yeah, like it, I think at some point last week, I like offhanded mention. Oh yeah, and by the way, I heard some obscure rumor like five oh. years ago about an animated Super Pets movie, but I haven't heard anything in a few years, so I assume it's not happening. Right. <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> Man, that's, you know what that is, my friend, that is Providence. <laughs> that Our... is... Well, what it means is Warner Bros. has somebody listening to this show, and to whoever that is, thanks for being here. Cause... They made... <laughs> they made the model of that animated dog real fast. Yeah. <laughs> like overnight. And hired a cast really quickly. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is gonna voice Crypto the Super Dog, which means that he now is going to be both Black Adam and also a dog. <laughs> In man, the man the man's unstoppable. <laughs> and he's Super Dog, um, who we thoroughly clarified is much more dangerous than Superman. <laughs> He is a terrifying force, uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> like Omni Man, Homelander, they ain't shit compared to the Super Dog. Uh, so, uh, uh, oh, also Kevin Hart as Ace the Bat Hound. Not with that. Yeah, oh, you know, like I said, I'm a fandom optimist. Hashtag fandom optimism. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose that it's a good thing until I've seen it be bad, but. I, I mean, obviously, I'm going to keep an open mind, but, like, my my initial image of what Ace is and how he sounds is, it doesn't super jive with Kevin Hart's usual thing. Uh, and, look, if, if it was, like, he was an actor that regularly expressed range or even, like, occasionally expressed range, <laughs> I'd be like, sure, I'm sure he could pull it off, but he's always just him, right? So... Yeah, I was watching a Lego thing. Apologies to any listeners who came here expecting the history of Loki. We'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> um, we gotta talk first. But, but I was watching one of those animated Lego specials that had Superdog and Batdog in it. There's a scene where Batman says something and Batdog goes, bark! Like, really menacing <laughs> and Batman-like. I was like, that's... That's how you do it. That's how you do Ace. That That was fantastic. Man, I really gotta watch those um, Lego Batman movies. Like I, I they are adorable. I love them. Yeah, I mean, I know. Um, like I really like Lego. Like the Lego Star Wars games got me into the Lego video. Like when I first heard like Lego video game, I was like, "Ooh, what is this shit?" And then it was like fantastic. And like I'm looking forward to the next one to come out eventually. Lego Marvel Superheroes was a treat. I didn't get to play the Lego DC games. And no, guys, it's not because I'm a DC hater. It's just because at that point, like, I I didn't, I couldn't rely on, like, mom to buy me video games. Like, I was living on my own and, you know, having to work for everything. And it, you got to pick and choose video games at that point. And they were never at the top of my list. Um, 
but I'll, I'll get to them someday. They're uh, very good. Very good. Yeah. All right. Uh, but yes, uh, as you already uh, spoiled, Jordan, <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about the god of mischief himself, Loki. Um, and uh, this isn't just because Loki episode one came out. It's a twofer because it's Pride Month. Welcome to our first LGBT character because Loki is gender fluid. And yes, he's confirmed gender fluid in the MCU as well. So suck my dick, all you bigots who are like, mm, but he's not gender fluid in the, in the MCU. Well, now he is. It is said Loki so definitely over. the first LGBT character that Cape Corner has covered? Uh, I think so. That, that I've covered? That uh, I don't know. Hang on. Let me look at my list of episodes real quick. It was, it was it's Superman. It's not a, and the Fantastic Four. I don't think Superman any of them. Superman is gay sometimes. Really? <laughs> well, if he's exposed to pink kryptonite. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> this is like by technicality. By um, technicality, he qualifies. Um, Blue Beetle, uh, Fantastic Four, Spawn, Iron Fist, Turtles, Daredevil, Iron Man, Harley. Oh, Harley. Oh, yes. Yes. She she's a bi queen. Okay. Um but yeah. Uh well, okay. Harley Harley was like the week before Pride Month and Legion of Super Pets. I'm I'm not doing that like two spirit joke or whatever. So uh or like Animal Kin or whatever. So we'll we'll say that Harley was like the first week, but it was just a week early. Yeah. Because I, I cheat, you see. So <laughs> much <laughs> but, like uh, Loki. Yes. Um, so, uh, that backstory of Loki. Scamp. How, how do I properly say the backstory of Loki? It's, it's the backstory of a god. He, uh, okay, well, uh, Odin in Asgard had a long-standing feud with the frost giants of Niflheim, I believe. And, um, is it different in oh, the comics than it is in the movies, or is it always Jotunheim? Wait, no, yeah, it is Jotunheim. See, I get confused because Niflheim has a very icy demeanor traditionally, but Jotunheim is all about the giants. And so it's like the frost giants. Is, so I get right. right? Um, so that's my fault. Yes, you, you're correct. It's Jotunheim. Um, uh, but yeah, regardless, the frost giants and the Asgardians have beef. Uh, a long time ago, Odin... Uh, fought uh in a bloody war against the frost giants and uh in the wreckage of the battle he found laufey the frost giant king's son a uh, little baby boy uh in the rubble and i guess he just like enchanted that baby to look like an asgardian uh and decided to raise loki as his own um and then he raised him alongside Thor, and it was a big mistake because he was never going to give Loki the same amount of love that he gave his own natural-born son. Uh, it was a very um, uh, white wolf, black panther kind of situation. Uh, and honestly, I don't blame Loki for being miffed <laughs> because it's like, Odin pretty much decided from the moment he adopted Loki that he would never be the king. So is that all comics accurate? 
<sighs> I mean, for the most part, yes. Like, again, it depends on the, uh, you know, <clears throat> like, issues and everything. Because, like... Right. Uh, there's the universes the the eras because retcons happen uh you know whether you're talking about the original story or the most modern interpretation of the story like it's all very dependent and with marvel for the most part they 616 you know the main earth um has a continuous timeline unlike dc where they reboot um uh, like things happen to change the past and whatnot, but as far as entire universal reboots, Marvel doesn't really do that. Um, Marvel doesn't have crisis; they have secrets, right? Um, but uh, oh, uh, this also brings up something I was thinking about the other day. Um, would beings like Thor and Loki? consider their species you know as guardians would they consider them humanoid or would they consider humans as gardenoid i guess it would be the the second one <laughs> right you would think i've never heard them say that though <laughs> like uh, i i i wish that more of these like fictional uh, properties that deal with aliens that look exactly like humans would touch on the fact like isn't it weird that our alien species look exactly the same <laughs> yeah it's it's odd like why do kryptonians look exactly like humans none of it makes any sense there is a comic that i'm a big fan of uh fan made i should say it's it's like it was like a tumblr thing where um it was like Lois and Superman giving each other like bedroom eyes and flirty talk and like he he strips and she's just like oh my god what is that and he's like it's it's my dick and she's like why does it have pincers and he's like to hold on to you better and then there's just like a, a narrative uh like box that's like and that was when uh they were both in fact reminded that uh Clark is an alien <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's like yeah something should be different yeah one one would think um but uh yeah so uh here's something you might not know uh i didn't know it until recently loki did not first technically appear in quote-unquote marvel as uh, Thor's brother. Uh, he didn't even appear around Thor in any form. Uh, way back in 1949, when they were still timely comics, uh, they had a series called Venus um, that dealt with just, I guess, the shenanigans of the Roman pantheon of gods. And, um, you know, the Roman pantheon, they're the Greek pantheon, but the Romans are dicks and they just were like, <laughs> just change their names so that they don't know we copied them. Um, or whoever copied who, I don't care. Uh, the point is, uh, it's like Jupiter instead of Zeus and 
Mars instead of Aries and yada yada. But um, there's in Venus number six, um, she is uh, taken to the underworld and she finds the king of the underworld, Loki. And Loki has a like magenta. I don't even know what you call it. Like it's like a full body suit, but it's got giant shoulder pads. But like the sleeves are like separate from the torso. Like the torso is j- big and huge and puffy, and it's got like these giant rings, and like the sleeves come out from the rings. Uh, and then there's like a blue cape. He's got a flat top of orange hair. Uh, he's got like the Luciferian face, like the classic devil, like the pointy ears and the pointy nose and the sharp teeth and like the. Um, and that's technically Marvel's first iteration of Loki. That is wild. Yep. But uh, Loki proper, as we know him, uh, appeared in 1962 uh, in Journey into Mystery, which was a series that often featured Thor. Um, but apparently he didn't appear until Journey into Mystery number 85. Jesus. Uh, wow. Either way. He was reintroduced as Thor's sworn enemy slash brother. And um, since then has gone on to be one of the most popular supervillains of fictional history. Um, IGN, which, you know, I have my opinions about IGN and their ratings of too much water. But (laughs) uh, regardless, they ranked Loki in 2009 as the eighth greatest comic book villain of all time and in 2014 was re-ranked as the fourth greatest comic book villain of all time that makes sense yeah because that was post avengers so uh speaking of loki was not just the inciting villain for the avengers in the movie he was in fact the inciting villain for the avengers in the comics really yes uh they did first come together to battle against loki that's really cool yeah, so I like that. I like that um, the movie, you know, sort of stuck true to that. Obviously changed a lot of the surrounding details, but, you know. Uh, I, I believe it was a much more simple deal of just, like, they decide to gang up on Loki, pretty much. <laughs> um, he definitely didn't have a massive alien army, let's put it that way. Um, but yes, uh Loki is often depicted as a guy, but because, uh, you know, he is gender fluid, he's also been a hot lady plenty of times. Um, Lady Loki. Yeah. uh, First appeared as a woman from Lady Sif. Was there a Lady Sif run in the comics, like her own solo series? I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. See, okay, I'll... I gotta be honest, that's that's one thing that does bug me. I really don't like it when they specifically have a female villain just to counter a female hero. Yeah. Like because it's like, oh, but they're girls. It's like, let's look. Hot take, controversial take, possibly political take. Uh, we should stop the narrative that guys cannot hit women and allow me to explain 
I am not pro domestic <laughs> abuse. I love the. This needs a very heavy disclaimer. I'm putting a big bold asterisk <laughs> beside <laughs> what I just said. Please read. I am not pro domestic abuse. I am not pro anyone hitting or hurting anyone. You know, without like decent reason, doing. Uh, physical harm to someone because like they talked back to you or you think they made you look bad in front of your dinner guests or whatever the case is is bullshit it's terrible you deserve jail at least (laughs) for that um but i'm gonna put this out there if we're going to acknowledge that women can be as powerful as men in whatever regards they so choose to devote themselves to, and they can, you need to recognize that when someone is instigating a fight with you, they are a fighter, first and foremost, who gives a shit what's between their legs. If someone comes at me with a knife, and I'm like, I'm going to defend myself, and then I see that they got big old wobbling titties, and I go, oh, no, it's fine, (laughs) I'm going to let this happen, then then I'm not chivalrous. I am a fool who deserves to be stabbed. Yeah, and you're dead. Exactly. And it's like... like It, it I, always amuses me in various movies and shows, like uh, <laughs> uh, like Infinity War did this, where it's like, we've got to have all the female heroes team up against the female uh, villain. That there's, yeah. like, that Thanos has that one female henchwoman. Um, oh, the- uh, Night uh yeah yes i was trying to think of the name uh and they they have all of yeah it was proxima midnight that was it um and all of the female heroes have to team up to fight her it's it's like that's i I remember in the pitch meeting uh, do you ever watch the pitch meeting videos those are pretty funny um (laughs) over over at screen rant the the dude is like pretending that he's pitching the movie and he says then we're gonna have all the female heroes team up against the one female villain and he goes that's progressive right and he goes i think so <laughs> like no one's really sure what to do with that man like people were like oh it's so pandering uh in endgame to have all of these uh girl heroes suddenly appear in the same shot together and i'm like it's way more pandering to have the girls only fight girl villains yeah i i think it's kind of cool when it's like look at how many cool powerful women we have uh yeah when it's like they've been sidelined to go fight the other woman it's not as great yeah i i really like it when they don't make a big deal of it they treat it like like okay with endgame i give it a pass because it's like this movie is being hype for everyone and there are little girls who oftentimes will see a bunch of guys team up but never see a big girl team up and it's like for this one moment because this movie is doing the ultimate cool of the big culmination of 11 years of these movies have them have a moment where all the girls are on screen minus black widow um together it's like okay cool i'm i'm fine with that that is totally cool with me but like typically i like it when uh they make it very natural and they don't like they're like we're doing a girl team like there was a bit in young justice and uh you know oh my god i love the scene that you're talking about (laughs) i already know 
for Young Justice, but this one actually got on my nerves a little bit. It's the bit where um, they're sending a team into Bialia. Bialia is ruled by Queen Bee. Has the power to enthrall men and I guess also lesbians. They some women, and it's like say what you mean. Uh, yeah. But I I actually I, really love this scene, <laughs> where then Nightwing like video calls all of these all of these girls that he sent in, all the all the women uh, members of the team uh, that they're sending into Bialia, and he says, you know, Queen Bee's got the ability to sway men. So that's why I'm sending a team of all women to do this. And I think it's Batgirl says, would you have felt the need to justify sending an all male team? Nightwing just pauses for a moment. He goes, there's no good answer to that. Is there? So I'm just going to hang up now. (laughs) And you know what? I I actually really like that scene. That's the best possible answer he could give. But like, then they're also like, like after he hangs up, yeah, we got him. And it's like, no, you fucking didn't. Because guess what? For me, the answer is yes. If there was a villain who could enthrall all women and I got a team of all guys together, I'd be like, hey, just know I got this team together because none of you can none of you are women. Like, yes, I would justify it then too because it's just like a natural way. Of course I'm putting a team together of people who can't be mind controlled. Like, <laughs> it just bugs me. They're like, "Oh, do you feel the need to justify it, dude?" If there was a a team uh, where it's like this villain can uh, mind control everyone who doesn't have green in their names, it's like when I get Green Arrow and Green Lantern and Green Beetle all together, and I'm like the only ones I could form this team, so I'm counting on you. And they're like, "Oh, would you justify it if uh?" If it wasn't like if you could get Red Hood and Red Lantern and uh, Red Rocket or whoever the fuck. And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. I think it's great. And I, I, I get what they were going for there with, you know, because the for lack of better word, the standard would have been that, you know, you, you don't really blink twice when you see the team of all male superheroes. But when you see the team of all women superheroes, you're like, wait, all girls, all, all women. And it's like, that that is, that is kind of a subconscious double take that you do just because it's, it's not been the norm. But also part of that is just because there's still a lot more guys superheroes. So like if you pick a random grab bag, a lot of times you have a better chance of getting than you do of getting all women. And that is something that I would like to correct, but you know, I, I just personally prefer it when they're not like, hey, yeah, girls can do it too. It's like <laughs> the when they're talking about like the strongest Avengers, they're like the top two candidates are Captain Marvel and Scarlet Witch, and it's like I like the fact that nobody's like, oh, it, is it because they're girls? It's like it's because they're both Infinity Stones. What do you want, like? <laughs> Yeah, I get what they were going for in that Young Justice scene. I, I don't mind it at all. I, I do. I, I understand it, too. It's, like, uh, obviously just because of the way my personality is. It sounds like it is. I'm just saying <laughs> I get, like, kind of miffed. But I'm an angry person, so it sounds louder. <laughs> you just, you're naturally angry. <laughs> I'm very theatrical, okay? It's it's kind of my thing. Um, I'm, I'm over here being 
uh, fandom optimist, just kind of, kind of loving on everything. I appreciate you. You keep me grounded <laughs> with this series. <laughs> um, so yeah, I th- I feel like there was someone we we were supposed to be talking about in this episode, and I don't really remember yes, who yes. that was. Um, I wanted to mention <laughs> a series that Loki was in um, that I found out about. Um, so like with the trailer for the Loki TV series, right? They, they show a bit where he's got like a little suit and a little, uh, he's got the like antlers and the suit and a little mayoral pin. Yes. Um, I just found out that there is a series called Vote Loki. Oh my God. Uh, and it ran in 2016, and it was a satire about the 2016 presidential election, which we all know how that turned out. And um, <sighs> uh, so, get this the the story was that Loki was running for president. A uh, Daily Bugle reporter named Nisa Contreras. Okay. Um, is her name supposed to be like contrarian? Like, oh, I'm gonna whatever. Uh, anyway, um, so they were running against each other, and Loki's campaign was centered around the fact that he would have the guts to lie outright to the American people, as opposed to trying to be subtle about it, like most politicians. So he's Trump, <laughs> um, to the point where his his like. The tagline for the series is believe, but L-I-E and believe are capitalized. That is amazing. And um and it was really just uh Nisa trying to be like, guys, can you believe this bullshit? He's literally telling you that he will lie to your faces and you'll eat it up. Kind of like if somebody said that they could shoot someone on Main Street and get away with it, and then all of their followers were like, Yeah, you thing you want. That couldn't happen in our world. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm that's only that's comic book silly, logic. Silly that's fictional the, stuff I'm the, talking that's about. That's the kind of thing that only a comic book fictional presidential <laughs> candidate could say. I did a while back say, you remember when like mustache twirling supervillains were like on cartoons and not like the norm? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, at the at the end of it all, he... Uh, she gets into a debate with Loki and he sort of uh, sort of outs himself at the fact that he doesn't actually have any plans for the American people. Like he doesn't have any thoughts of how they should run the country or anything. And um, kind of like someone else. And <laughs> uh, so uh, at, at the end, like obviously he loses the election um, and uh then like when she's alone he like comes to her and uh it's sort of left uh, up to the reader about whether or not this is true but he claims that he intended for this like he didn't want to win he outed himself as not having any idea of how to be president because he wanted her to win because he was uh, i guess it was a combination of like i I'm a villain, but a lot of times I, you know, am against other villains. So I kind of would like to have somebody who will root out corruption. Uh, but also, you know, it's one of those things that was like, hey, I did you a favor. Now you can keep me in mind later. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, political favors. Um, and like, 
there is the interpretation that it's just bullshit and that he was saving face and that he really was trying to win, but he was a big old political dummy. Because, and that, you know what? It would make sense. And I don't want anyone to be like, but he's a genius. Well, he's all. So, you know, yeah. a democratic republic is kind of outside of his wheelhouse. Or as close as, you know, America gets one. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I thought that that was a neat story. And again, Whenever anyone's like, superheroes aren't supposed to be political, they literally always are. Yeah, superheroes just by nature are political. They're always created politically. Mm -hmm. There's always a message. Which is true for, like, all of fandom and all of fiction, really. There's always a message. Yeah, it's true. Like, even if it's very simple messaging, like, you you gotta... (sighs) Like, that's the point, right? Every story is a fable, if you look deep enough. I feel like like over on my show, I will eventually have to do an entire episode about why everything is political, just to get (laughs) it off my mind. I actually have a Discord server I'm in right now where someone is trying to explain to other people, like, why video games are more political nowadays, and it's like, because it's an art medium, it's where people want, like, <laughs> yeah, because uh, in the 80s, video games were get to the other side of the screen and beat the villain, <laughs> and that wasn't because that was they've, uh, they've it, developed more intricate stories. That, well, it wasn't even just like a choice of narrative, it was a limitation of technology, you, right? You couldn't create narrative. Uh, beyond Plumber Save Princess from Turtle. <laughs> like, that was as far as I could go. So, you know, it it's like, yeah, as things develop more, you know, people are going to want to tell more intricate stories now that they're free to do so. And stories largely have ideas of people who create them behind them. Like, the way things should be, the way characters should handle certain situations and the way that you should handle certain situations, either like these characters or better than those characters handled it, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, and it's, just, it's, it's dumb. It's a dumb criticism. Um, <laughs> I, I, want- I am really excited to see how we get to that image of Loki with the little political pen uh in in the series i'm so thrilled i okay i i want to i want to talk about that series in just a minute but first i wanted to um make mention of something that i find to be a consistent aspect of loki's character um so you know loki isn't as guardian as such he is uh you know uh beefy right like he uh, if you saw in the first episode of Loki series, actually, it lists his weight as like 549 pounds or something. And uh, oh, yeah. Some, why does he weigh that much? And it's like, well, because he's an Asgardian. Their muscles are way more dense. That's why they all have like superhuman strength and durability. Like they can fall out of airplanes and then get back up and just be like, ow. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but and he's you know he's got like illusion powers and he's really good at like throwing knives and stuff but ultimately he has much higher aspirations than what he's equipped for right so 
one of the big aspects of Loki's character is he just loves stealing shit from other superpowered beings. <laughs> um, I am looking at an image here of Loki as the Scarlet Witch. Um, like removing the uh, the little M crown thing that Wanda has and uh, <laughs> on the little golden antlers that uh, she's got. Um, here's, a, here's a different image of Loki with the cloak of levitation and eye of Agamotto, which he just stole from Doctor Strange. Um, in uh, in the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, uh, he steals um, what's it called? It's Odin's uh, spear. Um, oh uh, yeah, I do not know what that's called. Uh, Hrung Hrungnir is that it? No, I that's have no idea. No, that's Beowulf's. Hang on. <laughs> I I swear I know it. I just. I, I can't remember it. Gungnir, that's it. Okay. Um, I actually did know that, but you know, I'm dumb and <laughs> I can't remember things. Um, anyway, yeah, he stole Gungnir and the Odin Force, and uh, like he just—that's his thing. He loves he. I would I would say he's almost like the Jackie Chan of Marvel villains in that he will always use whatever he sees in his environment <laughs> to empower himself. Um, even in the first episode of the Loki series, uh, he's like, man, they're really kicking my ass with this little time loop collar. It's time for me to apply this collar to someone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that is easily like his go-to move is just like i'm gonna steal whatever they're trying to use against me <laughs> and use it against them <laughs> and i'm for it like some people might be like oh it's underhanded i just think that's smart uh strategizing um one of my favorite anime of all time is gurren lagan and the the main strategy of team Gurren is steal from the enemy, then kick their ass with their own weapons. <laughs> uh, Communist steals the sword in episode one. Uh, he steals Gurren in episode two. <laughs> they steal um, Daigunzon. They steal uh, Super Galaxy Daigurin. They, they, everything they have, they stole. <laughs> And um, they make it work. Um, but yeah, I, I just, that's an aspect of his character that I really enjoy. Uh, is there any uh, aspects of his character that maybe aren't talked about as much that uh, you find very entertaining? Hmm. Nothing I can think of. I really loved his role in... Uh... Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I thought he was very fun in that. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I suppose now is as good a time as any to talk about uh, the Loki series then. So, so I guess we'll drop a big old spoiler warning. Yes. Uh, also a big speculation warning. Uh, 
as uh, Brian David Gilbert, uh, the angel placed on this earth, would say, potential spoiler warning in case we happen to get anything <laughs> right. Um, I there's there is some small chance that I get all of this right because this is <laughs> this is not saying much. But back when um, Ant Man and the Wasp came out, like right after that, I sent out I sent to a friend a bunch of messages about how I thought Endgame was going to go, and I got like more than half of it right. It was really weird. Dang. Well. I, I think that Endgame wasn't really shocking in what it did. It was just the watching the execution of it was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am a little bit sad that one of the most popular speculations of that movie never came to pass. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Uh, it's the Ant-Man thing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> For those of you who may not be aware, um, there was the, a joke. The Thanos theory. Yeah, the Thanos theory. Uh, the joke that Thanos would be defeated uh, by Ant-Man shrinking real small, crawling up inside Thanos' butthole, and then expanding to explode him from the inside <laughs> out. <laughs> and it's always the butthole. They're never like, he crawls into his mouth or ear or something. Yep. Um, just because it's funnier that way. But, uh, alright, so the Loki series. Um, 2012 Loki, the one who just lost in the Avengers, has not gone through the character development of Thor the Dark World, Thor Ragnarok, uh, Infinity War. I almost said Endgame, but yeah, just Infinity War. Um, he, he has not experienced all that, but all of a sudden, future Tony Stark screws up, drops the Tesseract because he doesn't know to be on the lookout for Hulk barging through a door. Even though apparently he already lived this, so he should have, like, I, I know it was, like, 11 years ago from his perspe- perspective, but, like, I would be racking my brain, like, where where is the Hulk at this point? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, that seems like something you'd want to keep in mind. Yeah, you might not want to cross his path. But um, anyway, Hulk opens the door, smacks future Tony in the face. Loki's like, what is happening? Oh, Tesseract. And then he escapes uh, and then immediately gets beset upon by the Time Variance Authority. Um, which it took me a little bit to realize all of the employees of the Time Variance Authority are created they're they're not like recruited yeah they're like constructs essentially which is weird but the the lore that they give narrated by tara strong doing a country accent um is that we do love tara strong um is that there was a multiversal war and um uh, the timekeepers uh, eventually came together and decided that in order to stave off war, they would merge all of these different timelines into a single sacred timeline. And now anytime uh, variations occur to branch off into other timelines, they send the TVA out to just 
murder everyone in that timeline <laughs> and delete it and keep it pruned to just a single timeline a a tree with no branches um and uh she is very specific to say if the time variance authority is ever unable to do their job it could create madness and an entirely new multiverse what an odd wording <laughs> wink wink uh so how i very have... specific i might have a feeling how this series might end just a small inkling of an idea <laughs> um the first episode was fantastic loki cried dude that blew loki my mind. cried it hurt it me was... Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh no, baby boy. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's okay, Loki. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be all right, man. We'll get through it. Um, yeah, he kind of did go through all the development that he missed just by like watching it vicariously through his alternate future self. Um, yeah. Uh, the bit where like he he fast forwards to Ragnarok and he sees Odin say, I love you, my sons, and sees himself sitting there, and he just immediately starts crying. I'm like, uh, oh my It hurt. Yeah. And then immediately he... Oh, okay. I gotta talk about this. Okay, so Owen Wilson is uh, wow. fantastic. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting to like Owen Wilson because I... I'm not the biggest Owen Wilson. I think he's funny, but often it's because he's a meme, not because he's a hilarious comedian, I think. Um, yeah, like, I've seen him in a, in a few things that I really liked. So I've, I've always I've always found him very likable in things, uh, but he, he's never been one of my all-time favorites or anything. Let me put it this way. Yes to Zoolander, no to Wedding Crashers. <laughs> That's I how love I... him in Night at the Museum. Night at the Museum is my favorite role for him, I think. I just really it's... love him in that. Can I admit to a, a dark uh, secret of mine? Um, oh, absolutely. I've never watched Night at the Museum. You have to watch Night at the Museum. <laughs> yeah, see, because this is why I keep it a secret, because everyone says that when I say that. It's such a, it's such a great little movie. It's, it's uplifting. It's pleasant. Wait. I just really like it. Wait, so Owen Wilson is in that movie? Yeah. So you know, you get like the premise, right? You know, like the premise of the exhibits come to life at night. Yeah, yeah. He plays like a miniature of a cowboy in in one of the like model display exhibits. So he's like a little tiny cowboy. It's really funny. I remember, I remember thinking like they're just doing Indian in the cupboard, but in an entire museum. If anyone doesn't know Indian in the Cupboard, I hate you. Because, <laughs> like, okay, back when we had VHS tapes, um, we would have these plastic cases. At the back VHS in tapes. my day. <laughs> back in the old days. Uh, we had these plastic cases that the VHS tapes came in, right? Uh, the one for Indian in the Cupboard. Uh, okay, because they had plastic coverings and, like, there was a paper inside that was, like, the cover. It wasn't just printed on the plastic. Um, for ending in the cupboard, you could pull the paper out, 
flip it around and put it back in and the reverse side had like a wood pattern so it looked like the, the cupboard and the side of the vhs tape where normally you just sort of pop it open there was a little keyhole and along with the vhs tape it came with a little plastic key so you could like and it also came with a figurine of um whatever his name was the little the little native american guy mm-hmm. um so you could like put him in the 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 vhs case and like turn the key and everything and pretend that you were doing the indian in the cupboard with them that's cool yeah i like that it's very creative not a lot of vhs tapes did that the the most difference uh, different kind of thing that i would see for vhs tapes other than that was nickelodeon did orange cases oh that's very cool yeah that was about it but um Anyway, big tangent. Uh, so anyway, Wilson, you should watch Night at the Museum. <laughs> no, I, Wilson is great. I'll get it. to it. God. Um, <laughs> Owen Wilson is actually fantastic in this. Uh, he has great this chemistry. is the best I've ever seen him. <laughs> it, it's fantastic. Uh, the way that he's like, uh, he is dismantling Loki. Just the bit where he's like, ah, oh, I love it. Big metaphor guy. It makes you sound super smart. And he's like, I am smart. He's like, I know. Okay, so did you interpret that line as being, because I've heard it interpreted both ways. I think a, a lot of people are interpreting as like, yeah, sure you are. Like, I, I know. I know that's what you think of yourself. But I interpret it as like, almost like he kind of cares about him and is like, yeah, I know you're smart, Loki. I know. <laughs> you know? It's, it's both, right? Because yeah. you, looking at it from his perspective, now knowing what we know at the end of the episode, he both looks down on Loki to a certain extent, but also has a begrudging respect for him uh, because of the Loki that he knows. Yeah, have you ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can from 2003? Um, I'm aware of it. My dad told me about it. So it is a, for those who don't know, <laughs> this is fun. This is just going to turn into a repeat of everything I said yesterday on my other show. Um, but uh, Catch Me If You Can is a movie based on a true story uh, about Frank William Abagnale, the most notorious con man in American history. And he's like a super genius who ran away from home at 16 and over the next three years cashed like several million dollars in fraudulent checks and lived for reasonable amounts of time disguised as an airline pilot, a doctor, a lawyer, just kind of breezing through life, just pretending to be in these professions and getting away with it and convincing people uh, and actually doing the jobs kind of. And he so he cashed millions in fraudulent checks and was chased across the world by the FBI and they finally caught him before his 19th birthday uh and it's just an, it's insane um I thought it was older than that it is based on a true story it's absolutely insane but what's really cool is that the director of Loki said that the dynamic that he wanted between Owen Wilson's character and Loki was inspired by the dynamic between the FBI agent and Frank William Abagnale in that movie. And I think that's pretty cool. And it's pretty accurate in catch me if you can, there's this kind of vaguely caring and maybe almost parental vibe from the FBI agent because he 
winds up really caring about this kid, but also he has to catch him, and this is a super epic criminal who's outsmarting everyone all the time, so there's the antagonistic vibe, and I'm loving that I can actually see those aspects in the Owen Wilson and Loki relationship. It's really cool. Yeah, before I get back to what I was saying with Owen Wilson, uh, I'll, I'll bounce off that and say, speaking of um, real-life stories, uh, the fact that he was um, D.B. Cooper. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe you were D.B. Cooper. <laughs> and he's like, I was young and I lost a bet. And I'm like, look, <laughs> you weren't that young. That was only like 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Aren't you like yeah. 800 or something? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a mild continuity flaw. Well, you know, well. um, I really wish that we had gotten the wow right there. Wow. I can't believe you were D.B. Cooper. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'd have loved to hear it there. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so when Owen Wilson is sort of trying to pick at Loki's brain to understand how he works, um, he, he's also got this like aggression behind him where he is antagonizing Loki and uh, again spoilers for the series you know if you haven't watched episode one stop listening go watch it or keep listening I don't care live your life um, it's not my job <laughs> I'm not your dad uh, uh, Loki a, a variant of Loki is apparently the one killing all the members of the time variants authority so the entire reason why he's trying to work with this Loki is to gain a better understanding of his enemy. And so even though he admires Loki to some degree, because it's like, wow, I can't believe you are able to outmaneuver. Uh, again, it's that catch me if you can thing. Like, uh, like you're just a kid outmaneuvering the FBI. You're just a demigod outmaindeuvering the strongest uh, cosmic force in the universe. Yeah, like, a cosmic force to which the Infinity Stones are paperweights. I've seen a lot of people get upset about that, and it's <sighs> like, dude, we're beyond the Infinity Saga. Like, I always see people getting upset about stuff that I think is ridiculous, because <laughs> I try to keep my fandom optimism, so... It's like, it makes sense. The Infinity Stones are powerful... Because they are the origins of the universe that they reside in. If they are no longer within the universe, they are not powerful. Because they only have power over their respective universe. Right, and it's like, where do we go to raise the stakes on a character who can erase half of the universe? You go to an organization that deals with every potential universe. Exactly. So it's like... because we exist outside of the universe at proper, those stones do not have power. Like, even if you brought all of those stones to the universe, they are technically from alternate iterations of the universe. They will right, not the work. Right, the timelines they are from no longer exist. Yeah, the only reason that the Infinity Stones worked in Endgame is because they closed those loops. They did not create branch timelines. They were just small little nudges, like little bumps uh, they were like little bumps on the tree trunk that did not form into branches, right? Um, and so the the timekeepers are like, it's a closed loop. It's fine. We don't got to deal with it. It's also comic book writing 101. That how do you get people invested in the next thing? You say, 
oh, you remember that like epic universe ending thing that we just went through? That's irrelevant compared to what's coming next. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, hey, man, you, how do we hype up the first Secret Wars? Well, Galactus ain't shit compared to the Beyonder. <laughs> That's how mm-hmm. you do it. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, while... While Owen Wilson, uh, I'm sorry, Agent Mobius, but I'm just going to keep calling him Owen Wilson. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> while he's antagonizing Loki, Loki gets mad. He's like, I know what this place is. It's an illusion, an elaborate ruse created by the weak to inspire fear, uh, a desperate bid for power and control. And, um, and like he's saying that, you know, to the Time Variance Authority. And then the rest of the episode happens. He sees, you know, um, Odin admit... Uh, he sees his own actions kill his mom. He sees Odin admitting that he loves both of them. Uh, he sees himself teaming up with Thor and Thor forgiving him. He sees himself dying to protect Thor. And um, then he has a little fight which sort of interrupts things. And then he takes some of his aggression out by looping the shit out of this woman. Um, and then, like, when Owen Wilson comes back, um, a question that Owen Wilson had asked earlier was, do you enjoy hurting people? And Loki finally, you know, introspects a little bit. And he says, I don't enjoy hurting people. I do it because I have to, because I've had to. And Owen Wilson is like, why? And then Loki drops the bomb. It's part of the illusion. It is a ploy used by the weak. And then he gestures to himself to inspire fear and then owen wilson has this like realization he's like a desperate bid for control and chilling it like it made me love the character of loki all over again oh my god it was so good like the uh, some people might think it's a little bit fast but he's been really shell-shocked in these 40 minutes and oh my god had every, uh, this place has him rattled everything that he knows is wrong like a weird al yankovic song yeah and, and i mean him finding that drawer of infinity stones i love that he's just he can't process he's like what how <laughs> where did you get these <laughs> he's just his brain blows a fuse in that moment I love that he actually like steps away for a minute, looks around, and is like, "Is this the greatest power in the universe?" In awe, and it's just a bureaucracy <laughs> from yeah, from really the seventies pseudo future. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, Cave Johnson from Aperture Science, and <laughs> oh yeah, it's like if he uh, created uh, the TVA. Like everything is. Like the cartoons have the Jetsons aesthetic, and um, everything's got little lights and diodes. Uh, <laughs> everything's like brown, like everything was in the seventies. Yeah, I got. Um, this is kind of off topic, but I got heavy Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade vibes from when they they the obnoxious rich kid who has somehow become a time variant like refuses <laughs> to give them a ticket. He refused to take a ticket. And they vaporize him, and Loki's like scrambling to find his ticket, and holds it up. I was like, "Ah, someone's a Last Crusade fan behind the production of this show." 
Are, are you ready for another dark secret? <laughs> You've never seen it? I've never watched any of the Indiana Jones. Okay, so for you and anyone <laughs> else who doesn't know, uh, there is a scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where Indiana Jones and his father are fleeing Berlin. This, is, this takes place in 1939, I think. Okay. We are, we are into World War II here. And there's full-blown Nazism. And they are fleeing Berlin, and they are on board a Zeppelin. And we see that there are German officers boarding, looking for them, and like, and looking, you know, checking everyone on the on board, make sure that it's see if they can find them. And Indiana Jones walks off, and we see him find. I don't know if it's supposed to be the captain or someone, someone in uniform on board the Zeppelin. He beats him up and takes his uniform, and. Uh, the German officer gets to Indiana Jones's dad and like pulls away the newspaper that he's trying to hide behind. And it's like, oh no, the German officers have found them. And then Indiana Jones walks up behind the German officer and says, ticket, please. And then the guy turns around and Indy punches him in the face and throws him out the window of the Zeppelin. And all of the passengers look horrified at what's just happened. And he kind of looks around and goes, he didn't have a ticket. And everyone like scrambles to get their tickets out and show it to him. <laughs> just really, I was like, uh, that has to be the scene that inspired this. You know what? I, I can see it now. I've seen a, a few things of uh, Indiana Jones like through clips. Like I've seen the face melting bit. I've seen uh, what's his name? Kung Pao or whatever. The really racist Chinese kid. Um, oh, short round. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jones! Uh, and uh, I've seen the bit where the dude comes out with the swords and he's looking and he just shoots him. Yeah, fun fact. This is getting so off topic now, but I have to give this fun fact. The story behind that is that there was supposed to be some insanely well uh, uh, choreographed fight there and Harrison Ford was just really sick that day and he walks <laughs> up to Spielberg and he's like, can we just shoot this fucker? <laughs> and Spielberg was like, actually, I love that. Let's put it in. <laughs> so th- there's, your, making... there's your fun fact in movie history for today. Harrison Ford making a career off of being a tired old man. His... <laughs> the reason that uh, Han Solo holds the gun the way he does is because, like, Harrison Ford's back or whatever. Like, it... yeah. Uh, oh Harrison everything that people are like he's so cool he's just like I hate this shit he's he's a grumpy old man he hates being there (laughs) and people just misinterpret it fabulously (laughs) Um, Uh, anyway so yeah go ahead well I was about to say that vaporizing the rich kid firstly that was really funny that he walks in going, I'm my dad's the CEO of Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs and yeah. get you fired or whatever he's saying. Um, and that they vaporize him. Now, them vaporizing him woke me up to the interesting ethical dilemma of this show. And I was wondering if this is how you're interpreting it. That Because when they first put down the, the little reset charge at the beginning of the episode, I thought oh, this is just going to kind of rewind this area a little bit, like it's going to fix the sand and maybe erase these people's memory who just saw Loki. 
where he wasn't no, supposed I, to be. I promise. That's what you, I that thought at first. Deleting them. <laughs> like, yes, that crazy. at first I thought it was harmless, and then when I saw both that they vaporized the rich kid, which means you have no way to put him back where he was supposed to be and like wipe his memory and put him on the correct timeline. And mm-hmm. also that Owen Wilson looked really sad when he tells the little girl in the church, go wait outside. Um, that they are deleting universes yeah. with these, <laughs> these reset charges. And that is, with- these are time fascists. This is an epic ethical dilemma. Which is why uh, Loki, or, you know, eviler, I guess, Loki, having at least two of these charges that we know of is, is really terrifying. scary. Yeah. Um, oh, and I think they I, imply that it's like he's got like six or seven of them by now because they said that this is the sixth attack that we know of. And, yeah. and, it, and they're not surprised that the charge is missing. So I think he does it every time. Yeah, like why is collecting so many that's terrifying but Um, see now that we've addressed that ethical dilemma the question becomes is this quote-unquote evil or loki even evil at all is it even these is it even loki and are these time fascists and should they be destroyed um well again because of dr strange and the multiverse of madness i'm getting a hint that they will be destroyed regardless or that's the big that's the big speculation we've got here um i i can't look okay for people who hate raging fan theories and comic book nerds going oh my god a lot it's definitely mephisto God damn it, man. You knew what I was going to say. <laughs> I hate you for that. I hate you. I hate it here. What I was going to say is be grateful that I was not making this show when WandaVision was running. <laughs> okay, when I saw the little girl point to like, the stained glass on the devil, I was like, Ah, Mephisto! No, no I, I actually was just like, God damn it, all those WandaVision people were right. It is Mephisto. <laughs> I I need this, man. I need them to give me this, okay? They cucked me in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by not having Mephisto there with uh, the Ghost Rider season, and they cucked me in WandaVision by not having Mephisto there as, like, Agnes's partner as Ralph or whatever, and I don't want them to cut me again in this show now that they opened episode one with the devil portrait. And I get I'm it. betting I'm they still it. will. I'm, I get Loki has the antlers and it's like, haha, devil horns, but it's like, okay, but he doesn't have red skin. So, like, little girl, what are you pointing at? <laughs> I'm betting that it's not Mephesto and that this is just, you know, she saw a dude with big horned, with a big horned head and he was very showy and had magic. And she's like, that. well, that must be the devil. I don't have any other frame of reference for what this thing is in 1549. Um. So I I assume that it really is, but but your saving grace is in the fact that they did not show us Loki. That right after we have it confirmed that this is Loki, Owen Wilson is like, yeah, we're chasing another Loki, and they don't show us. Why don't you show us? Right after you specifically name the person who's supposedly under that hood. Okay. There's no reason you know to keep them hidden. 
like, okay. If it's not Mephisto, which would make me very happy, I will tell you what I would prefer second. Um, you know that they're cool with doing, like, doubles. Like, they had Captain America fight Captain America. Um, and so, like, that precedent is already set. Like, yeah, we can have two of the same guy in the same scene. It's fine. But they confirmed that Loki is fluid. Mm-hmm. And an actress playing female Loki. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. I'm just saying, it would be cool. I would like that a lot. I am I, actually pretty sure that that's the case. I'm because like I, I will don't be want surprised be like, if that isn't Lady Loki. I, I don't want them to just be like, yeah, Loki's fluid, and then never have anyone but Tom Hilson. Because then it's like, well, then you. It's like the Dumbledore is gay thing. It's like, well, nothing ever implied that he was. So why even say it? I will so, actually <laughs> be very surprised if that isn't Lady Loki. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. There was something else. I was, oh, um, I, I also know that uh, unlike certain other companies, uh, Marvel really does like pay attention to the fan speculation and everything. And um, I, I get the feeling like they maybe even did that devil thing just to fuck with people. Um, but like, uh, you know what would be great is if like after everything that happened with WandaVision and the Mephisto uh, speculation resurging now and everything, if Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness did actually, because it has Doctor Strange and it has Wanda and it's coming right off the back of Loki, if it had uh, Mephisto in there. That would be pretty cool. That would validate me in a way like that nothing else in life has. <laughs> Parents. <laughs> oh, <Sorry>. no. <laughs> um, but, uh... Okay, so we, we've spoken about Marvel's Loki. Uh, I have also said that this podcast will occasionally touch on video games and stuff. So... I would like to take a moment, give a new spoiler warning. Anyone who is still here uh, and has not played the new God of War game from a few years back. Hey, right before we go to this, I've got one more question for you about the, the series of Loki. Because oh, cool. this, is, this is another interesting ethical dilemma that I thought of. Uh, All right. I've seen people argue that this show cheapens everything that came before it because it implies that free will doesn't exist and that no one actually made any of these heroic decisions of their own volition. It was all predetermined for them. No. Yeah. I, I but, completely agree. <laughs> here's, the thing about, here's the thing about predeterminism is that even if these timekeepers are picking which variations of things should be canon in the sacred timeline, these only occur, these only can be possible through characters still making choices of their own volition without, uh, without any, like, direct intervention from any, uh, cosmic beings, right? Like, right, right. You, this is how you argue it. 
you can do like the nihilist thing like Owlman does of like well for every version of me that makes this decision there's a version in the multiverse that makes the opposite decision so does anything i do nothing matter no you stupid idiot what you do still matters for your life and your world so yep. you've got another version that did the other thing so what and this they prune away all of the versions of you that make alternate choices sure but that doesn't mean they made your choices for you. You are just the version that made the right choices, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. And that's my, my big argument had been that the very fact that there are time variants is proof that free will exists, that people yeah. are apparently constantly making the wrong, quote unquote, choice and accidentally winding up off of the intended timeline. And, like, so what if the timekeepers are like, this is what we want to happen? Guess what? Tony Stark making Ultron and then, like, almost destroying the world was still a mistake. Yep. Slice it however you want, dude. That was fucked up. (laughs) Yep. So, anyway, I just wanted to touch on the concept of free will before we bow out of Loki's And And before anyone thinks that I'm being too cavalier and not taking it seriously, I had an extremely difficult time dealing with nihilism from an early age because I'm not trying to, like, uh, brag or anything. I'm, I'm literally a genius. And one of the things that they don't tell you about, like, childhood prodigious genius is that when you're more aware of things at a faster speed, you're more aware of how life sucks at a faster speed. And also you're aware of concepts, again, like multiverse and nihilism. So from an early age, I became plagued with, you know, feelings of like nothing matters. Everything's so insignificant. And it took me decades to work through that completely. So I'm at a point where A... I've completely worked through it and B I'm tired of dealing with it. So yeah, whenever things, whenever I see people be like, but then doesn't it mean that nothing matters? No, shut up. What you do is you focus on little things. You, you can, you can be like on a cosmic scale, nothing I do will have any significance because even if I remembered in a history book, that history book will age and wither into dust and humanity will eventually vanish. And even if I make a cosmic impact, the heat death of the universe, so what, you know, what matters if, if you kick a little girl and a little girl cries, you feel bad and you're an asshole because you made that little girl cry. Unless you are an asshole and you don't feel bad, then you're just worse. (laughs) <laughs> but that still matters because then we need to fucking deal with you. <laughs> you can't go around kicking little girls and shit. <laughs> like, uh, what I'm saying is, people's feelings still matter. It doesn't matter if they don't matter on a cosmic scale. We're not operating on a cosmic scale. We are operating on a, a very small individual scale. <laughs> Focus on that. Anyway, yeah, that was my little. My little ethical dilemma to touch on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree that this this show does nothing to imply that free will doesn't exist. It's pretty clear that it does. Yeah, obviously um, what Loki's going through is a crisis of faith. That doesn't mean that the crisis They is have him so correct. rattled that he briefly considers the possibility that he might be a robot and not know it. <laughs> that, that was early. That's like episode. not the craziest thing that he can think of right now. 
Yeah, for real. Uh, um, okay, but I did want to talk about um, another interpretation in God of War. So uh, in God of War, the 2018 uh, game, have you played it? I have not, but I've not played any of them and don't really know anything about it. I'll, I'll give you a, a quick synopsis. It's very simple, uh, as long as I'm not doing, like, uh, the YouTube video thing. Um, okay, so uh, for, so for the, the initial God of War games, here's the lowdown. There is a Spartan warrior named Kratos. Uh, Kratos, uh, like many Spartans, is a fearful, or not fearful, fear, uh, feared warrior on the battlefield and um in one particular battle he was fighting against this massive berserker and he was getting the better of him so kratos called out to the god of war Ares, uh saying uh grant me power and i shall serve you and Ares uh accepted that he took these iron uh these red hot iron chains and wrapped them around kratos's arms uh scarring his arms with chain marks and essentially burning these chains to his arms uh and at the end of the chains were blades the blades of uh chaos or something there's a couple different blades anyway um but uh these blades he can like throw out like like how scorpion does with his spear Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, his Kusari or whatever, uh, and uh, he can just like swing them around in big arcs and like spin and like just decapitate people. And he uses these weapons to beat the Berserker, and he becomes uh, uh, beholden to Ares. But uh, because Kratos has a wife and a daughter, uh, Ares is like, you're not my perfect warrior because you still have love in your heart. So he tricks Kratos into sacking a village that Kratos wasn't aware that his wife and daughter were in at the time, and he burns everything to the ground, and um, only when his family is already dead does he realize that he burned his own family. And because he's so slicked with blood, their ashes like float through the breeze and uh, coat his body, so he becomes pale from their ashes covering and sticking to his body. So he becomes nicknamed the, the Ghost of Sparta. Um, and he goes on a crusade to kill Ares. Uh, he manages to succeed in killing Ares, but becomes wrapped up in an entire plot where like, part of the way he killed Ares was by opening Pandora's box to gain the power from inside the box to become strong enough to kill Ares. Okay? Uh, the evils from Pandora's box infected Zeus and the other gods of Olympus, and because they chose Kratos as their enemy, he wound up going on a massive slaughtering spree, essentially killing the entire pantheon of Olympus. And uh, at the end, Pandora herself reveals that the reason Kratos didn't turn evil, even though he was kind of a raging lunatic, is because the power that was granted to him from the box was not from the evils of humanity within the box. It was the hope that was hidden at the very bottom. Because in the story of Pandora's box, the last thing she put in the box was hope. Hmm. Um, Or that came out of the box or whatever. The point is, uh, so he manages to kill Zeus. It is revealed that Zeus is in fact Kratos' father. 
Kratos was a demigod from birth, kind of like Hercules. Hercules and him are half brothers. Um, and so uh, his, his legacy is one of extreme gore and hyper violence and hyper masculinity and fucking people in mini games uh, to, to gradually increasing extremes. In the first God of War game, he's banging one woman uh, off screen. Uh, in God of War 2, I think he bangs two women still off screen. And in God of War 3, uh, Aphrodite is in there with two other women. And he bangs the goddess of love and beauty herself. And the two other women who have their titties out are like watching <laughs> like, ooh, yeah. And it shows those two. And then they like start making out by the time you finish the video, the, the minigame. Um, so it's like, it's it's very mindless. It's there just to be cool. But then 2018 actually took that mindless brutality and made it into a plot point and a fantastic plot point. We are now in Midgard and uh, Kratos is an older man now. He has a child named Atreus and uh, Atreus's mother, uh, Kratos's wife, recently passed away. Um, she had a dying wish that her ashes be scattered atop the tallest mountain and Kratos is not convinced Atreus is ready to take this journey but um, Faye the mother asked for specific trees to be cut down for her funeral funeral pyre and these trees actually were the ones that made like a circle of protection around their area of the woods so now that monsters are freely getting in Kratos has no choice but to take his son, which was part of Faye's plan to get them to bond. Um, because Kratos is very distant. He, he's, he's still pretty messed up from all the shit that he went through in the first games. And he's trying to learn to control himself. He reveled in rage and battle and bloodshed. But now like, there's actually a bit where Atreus starts to go berserk and he scolds Atreus saying anger can give us great power, but if you lose yourself to it, you are no better than the beasts that you fight. You have to be a man, and to be a man means controlling yourself. Using that rage to empower you without losing yourself to it. And it's fantastic knowing the kind of man he used to be. He winds up like having some shame when he has to later on admit to Atreus that like he killed his own father, and that Zeus himself had to kill his own father and so atreus worries like is that just the cycle of our family that sons always have to kill their fathers because he doesn't want to fight his own dad um mm -hmm. it's it's a very fantastic story um they get to the tallest mountain they think and then they realize wait but in the nine realms this isn't the tallest mountain the tallest mountain is in jotunheim and so they have to travel to the realm of the giants. Like the entire game is just trying to get there at the very end of the game. They manage to finally make it to Jotunheim and they see murals that depict the story that they went through in this game. So they were foretelling the future. They knew all this would happen. And Faye, as it turns out, was a giant. Uh, she, was not only a giant, she was Laufey. 
And Atreus has another name that she didn't uh, tell him. He is, in fact, Loki. That's pretty cool. It is so fucking cool. It caught me off guard. Because, like, throughout the entire game, I'm like, they are showing Jorgenmonder. They're showing um, uh, uh, Freya. Uh, they're showing uh, Thor's sons, uh, Modi and Magni. Um, and I'm like, they're referencing Odin and Thor and like all, but like, I, I didn't see anything about Loki. I'm like, why isn't Loki in this game? Where is Loki? Loki was beside you the entire time. (laughs) So this game is a Loki origin story. (laughs) That's really cool. It is super cool. Also, it opens up a future of a massive God of War franchise because there's a bit where they go into a treasure room that Odin had where he put all of his junk and like they find a a Spartan vase like a Greek vase that has a depiction of Kratos as he used to be on it so it's like oh they're aware that there was another pantheon of gods but then it also shows like Shinto and Egyptian items and it's like they're saying that all of these different mythologies all these different pantheons exist and that means Kratos has more gods to kill. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm so down for the future of this franchise. Um, but <laughs> yes, fun fact. Uh, you get to the end of the game. You watch the credits. There is an after credits scene where it's like a couple of years after the events of that game. Atreus and Kratos are at home. And they just start storming outside. And they step out to see what's going on. And it just shows like someone's legs. And then they move their arm. And you see a hammer dangling from their side. Oh, Lord. It's like, oh, it's going to be Thor. Oh, it's rad. Uh, the main villain of the game was actually Balder the Brave. Who hmm. did not appear in the MCU. But... Uh, Kind of like the Warriors 3 and Lady Sith. He's an Asgardian that's very close to Thor in Marvel. Okay. Yeah. His entire thing is that he's invulnerable. Um, Think of like how Achilles was invulnerable everywhere but his heel. Um, Or uh, Samson is invulnerable when he has long hair. Uh, Baldur's thing is that he's invulnerable to everything but mistletoe. (laughs) <laughs> that's real i didn't make that up <laughs> that oh my god <laughs> well, it, it's funny because like um uh throughout in the game there's a bit where one of the dwarves that upgrade your equipment like the weapon shop guys uh atreus uses a bow and arrow typically they give him special mistletoe arrows and he's like okay what's different about these and other arrows they're like well it's got mistletoe on them he's like yeah what does that do and they're like i don't know it's like magical properties and stuff he's like sure it is uh and there's a (laughs) there's a bit later on where like during a fight his bow strap breaks and um kratos like uh reties it with one of the mistletoe arrows right um Mm -hmm. And then, like, they're talking to Freya later. Freya, by the way, is the mother of Balder, and she doesn't reveal this to them at the time, but she's just like, why do you have those arrows? Get rid of them. And she just chucks his mistletoe arrows in the fire. Um, And so, like, in the climactic battle with Balder, um, when it's finally revealed, like, oh, yeah, 
his weakness is mistletoe. And they're just like, God damn it, Freya destroyed all those mistletoe arrows, so we can't stop him. Atreus manages to like rip off the part of the mistletoe that was tying his um, bow strap together and just like wraps it around his knife and stabs Balder with it. Oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's um it's a it was a it was a Chekhov's gun and we didn't know it the whole time. That is amazing. Yeah, I love that. That's really good writing. Um that entire game is fantastic. I highly recommend even if you didn't play any of the other God of War games, please I super encourage you play God of War 2018. Watch like I mean I pretty much told you what you really need to know about the old games. Um, but if you want to watch one of those like 30 minute YouTube videos, that's like the story up until God of War 2018. Yeah, um, I may have to. Yeah, that sounds cool. It's legitimately like I know that everyone was sucking the dick of this game, and I don't always <laughs> believe that kind of hype, but it was warranted this time. Nice. Also, the guys, the guy who made the game, uh, his name is strikingly similar to the Balrog from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> His, his name is Corey Barlog. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that really doesn't mean anything, but I think it's neat. Um, Alright, so is there any other things that you wanted to say about Loki uh, of any interpretation before we close this out? That mischievous scamp. Um, <laughs> no, I got nothing. I think we talked about a good bit here today. Um, I, I guess the uh, the message of this episode would be don't let thoughts of nihilism prevent you from doing what's right. It's easy to feel like nothing that you do matters. I think we all feel that at some point, um, given enough you know, understanding of the way life works, you know, it's easy to feel insignificant, but just remember that no matter how small it is, our feelings in the present do matter. Things don't matter. It's like what Vision says in Age of Ultron. Something isn't beautiful because it lasts. Uh, Something doesn't matter because it lasts forever. Uh, even if things are momentary, they still matter. Your pain, your happiness, it all matters. So, you know, we've all got a ticking time limit on our lives. We all know this, but that's not a reason to not live your life while you have it and to not try and do good for others while you're here. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, all right, uh, so feel free to join the Discord uh, where we have uh, polls for upcoming episodes, uh, memes. Uh, we can get into like really deep talks like we just had if you want. Like, it, it's a nice community, very supportive people. Um, yeah, come talk about that. philosophy with us. It'll be fun. Yeah, uh, I, I want to know uh, whether or not you think... Uh, Freud or uh uh oh no the other guy the <laughs> shit I can't remember his name <laughs> uh young I'm not sure 
want to know whether you think Freud or Jung is the superior philosophy. <laughs> yeah, do you think free will exists? Does it matter? Yeah. Um, let, let's get weird with it. Like, let's let's really deep dive into the gray matter. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, feel free to uh, support me. Nobody does, but that's okay. <laughs> Even if you just listen, I, I'm pulling that mom thing where it's like, I mean, I know you're not going to help, but I do appreciate you. Like, <laughs> um, uh, you you can listen to this on Anchor or Spotify or Breaker and a bunch of other things. Check out uh, Jordan's podcast, The Phantom Optimists. Uh, they're fantastic. Um, yeah, you can find us at Fandom Optimists on Twitter. Yes, I don't have a specific Twitter for Cape Corner, but I do have my own personal Twitter, uh, which is uh, at BeyondBlue13. Uh, you're Jordan Blue Man. I'm Jordan Blue Man. Everywhere there are usernames. Yeah. Something else that I normally say. Uh... Oh, uh, leave a like, a follow, a comment, all that good stuff. Um, I don't. I don't think this is automatically going up on YouTube anymore. I probably have to fix that at some point. It's just my internet sucks. So <laughs> uploading a YouTube video of even just all. So it's like a all day thing. Um, I'll, I'll probably get back to it sometime. Uh, but either. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you're closing. Yeah, until next time, uh, check the oil in your car and make sure you unsubscribe from that one mailing list that you keep forgetting to unsubscribe to. I, I need to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I want you to be strong, stay true to yourselves, and remember, we can all be heroes.